going to read to you from Acts, the 26th chapter. Um, I was recently watching Matthew McConaughey read 1 Corinthians 13. Yep, it really happened. Check it on YouTube. Now, I haven't got a voice like Matthew McConaughey, but uh, the Word of God has power in itself, so it doesn't matter too much on whether you've got a great voice or not so great voice. Acts 26, and here's Paul buttering up Agrippa. King Agrippa said to Paul, you may speak in your defence. So Paul, gesturing with his hand, started his defence. I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defence today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders, for I know you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies. How cool is that to start with? You can imagine Agrippa going, yeah, you're right. Now please listen to me patiently. As the Jewish leaders are well aware, I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. If they would admit it, they know that I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion. Now I am on trial because of my hope in the fulfilment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, that is why the 12 tribes of Israel zealously worship God night and day. And they share the same hope I have. Yet, Your Majesty, they accuse me for having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorised by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, Your Majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. Interesting, he called him Lord before he knew who he was. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles. To open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time, 
So I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead. And in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Suddenly Festus shouted, Paul, you're insane. Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. Then the king, the governor, Bernice and all the others stood and left. May God quicken his word to our hearts. I invite our speaker today, Jess, to come up here and join me. I'm going to pray for Jess. Father, we do thank you for every opportunity that comes our way to speak your word and to share Jesus in whatever way is possible. So today I would ask your blessing, your anointing upon Jess as she speaks from her heart the things that you have given to her to say. We pray that it will be a God-glorifying message. We know it will. We pray that you'll just calm any nerves she might have and give her uh, an energy that comes directly from your Holy Spirit to speak your word today faithfully. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Gary, give it the COVID wipe. Thank you, fiancé, you're wonderful. Good morning, everyone, or good evening to the five people in the room. You (laughs) You can't hear them, but they are all cheering. I'm sorry that we couldn't all be together in person today. Um, I wish that you were all here and I wish I wasn't looking at the camera, but I want to say thank you so much for joining us for Online Church. It is good to have you. I hope you're all talking in the comments and fellowshipping just as we would if we were here on a Sunday morning. My hope and prayer this morning is that we'll be meeting together again soon. During this season, let's keep believing in God to do the miraculous things. And let's just keep praying that COVID-19 will not only leave our nation, but will leave the world. That's my prayer this week, and I hope that will be your prayer also. This morning, I want to start by letting you on on a little secret. It's not a secret to my fiancé. My memory is horrible. He just said yes. In fact, if you asked me on a Monday morning what the message was on the day before, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you. That's how poor my memory is. But there's always one thing every week that I remember, and that is the stories that are told in the sermons. The reason why we tell stories is because people remember them and they relate to them because storytelling is effective. Storytelling is so effective that sometimes people remember the stories we wish that they would forget. 
I don't know if that's ever happened to you before, but I, can, I, need, I need more than two hands to count the amount of times that's happened to me. The first thing that comes to mind when I think about people telling stories that I, don't, that I want them to forget is the time when Caleb and I were students at the Savos Discipleship School and we had just started running youth group, literally the first night. And at the end of the night, we were all in the bus and I was getting ready to drive the youth home and I accidentally reversed the bus into Tegan's car. It was not my finest moment. And I have to be honest with you when I say I had never feared my life more than I did that night. Now, Tegan and I are okay now, and I asked her permission to share this. We have done lots of therapy, and we've worked through, we've worked through the anger, haven't we, Tegan? We're all good now, and you should have seen her. Oh, I'm sitting in the bus, and she walks out. I wrote down my window, and I said, I'm sorry, Tegan. She said, don't talk to me. I'm sorry, T. I did get your permission to share this, didn't I? Okay, just clarifying, I didn't forget. <clears throat> and still to this day, this story is still mentioned. Every time I drive the youth bus, which isn't rare, as you can imagine, every time I go past a car, the youth say, Jess, be careful, there's a car there. They keep bringing it up and bringing it up. And youth, if you're listening, this is why I don't drive often. Actually, it occurred to me this morning that eight out of 10 of my sermon illustrations have to do with my driving. And I spoke to Caleb about it and he said, Jess, maybe God's trying to tell you something. I said, maybe. At the moment, we're doing a series called Contagious Christianity. And when, I don't know about you, but when this series started, I was thinking, what does contagious Christianity mean? And I can summarize it like this. Being a contagious Christian simply means being so contagious with the love of Jesus that it spreads around us because we can't help but share what is inside us and what we have experienced. This week, we're looking at a way that we can do that, and it is through sharing our story. In this message, we're going to look at a person in the Bible that pretty much sums up what it means to be a contagious Christian, and that is Paul. He did this through sharing his story if you have your Bibles at home, whether you're in the couch or you're in bed, I want you to grab it. And this morning, we're going to be reading from the book of Acts chapter 6, as Gary so kindly read out for us. Before we dive into the message, I think it's important to provide some context into this chapter. So books is an act, I got my words mixed up. Acts is a book in the New Testament written by Luke, who was one of Jesus' disciples, to summarize it simply, Acts is about the ministry of Jesus after his death and resurrection through the disciples spreading the good news about Jesus all throughout Jerusalem and the Roman Empire. So basically, Acts is the earliest form of contagious Christianity. Christianity was spreading like wildfire. The second half of Acts follows the story of Paul. He was traveling to all these different towns and regions throughout Rome, sharing the story of salvation through Jesus. Many people were saved because of Paul's contagious faith. However, many Jews also opposed him because they disagreed with his teaching. In fact, the Jewish leaders grew so jealous of Paul that they plotted to kill him. Harsh, right? Eventually, he was arrested and accused of not fulfilling Jewish law. 
And then he was asked to make his defense to his accusers in a series of settings. But the one we're going to look at today is in Acts chapter 26, where Paul gives his defense in the presence of a Kim named Agrippa. Thank you, Gary, for pronouncing that for me before I came up. I didn't know how to do it, and then I heard Gary say it, and I was like, that's how you say it. And a series of other church leaders, and that is where we're picking up the message today. The first point this morning, it should come on your screens, is we will be asked to give a defense for our faith. Acts 26 verse 1 says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. In this story, Paul is brought before a king and leaders and asked to make a defense for the accusations against him. They did not believe the news that Paul was preaching, that Jesus had died for the sacrifice of his of the for the sacrifice of the sins of the world that the peop- and that people could find salvation through him. So many were in opposition of Paul's in this message. They did not believe that the faith and news that he was sharing. And I hate to burst your bubble this morning, but people are going to oppose us too. When we share our faith with the world, we're going to have people get saved. We're going to have contagious Christianity but we're also going to have opposition. People are going to question you about your faith. And just like Paul, we're going to be asked to give our defense and explain why we believe what we believe. So this morning, as we're working through the message, I want you to have the question in your mind, why do I believe what I believe? We're going to be asked to give a defense for our faith which is why it's important to be ready to give our defense, to be ready to give our explanation of why do we believe in Jesus. Because there is nothing worse than not being prepared. I don't know if you're like me and you've ever had a situation where you haven't been prepared for something and it went poorly, but that's happened to me multiple times. Thankfully, not today, because I had two two hours notice. There's a time in particular when I was not prepared to give a response and it sucked and I have to say it went pretty poorly. And it was the time I walked into work and I walked through the staff room and I had a colleague say to me, Jess, I am so excited for your presentation this morning. What presentation? Silence. Oh, they forgot to tell you. I quickly, you know, Texted Val and said, Val, you've got to pray for me. I'm about to do a presentation. And uh, I don't know how it went. I don't really remember it. I was kind of just making stuff up. I wish I had been prepared. We have to be prepared to give our response when we're provided with the opportunity to talk about and to defend our faith. I don't want us to be like me in that situation with the presentation. Now, I can assure you, not every time you're asked to defend your faith is going to be like Paul in this situation amongst kings and leaders. It may just be with one person. It may be with a small group of people. But no matter the context, whether it's one person or a big group of people, it's important that we have our defense organized. We need to know how we're going to defend our faith. The second point this morning is, When we give our defense, we will find our courage in the Lord. 
Acts 26 verse 2 says, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. In Acts 23 verse 11, the following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Talking to people about Jesus can be scary and it can be hard to do. It's not easy to get vulnerable and to talk about something when you know some people are going to oppose you. It can be really tough. And Paul was in a very tough position. He was standing among a king and leaders and elders of the church, and he was defending his faith, which they were opposing, and his life was literally on the line. That would have terrified most people. I don't know about you, but I would have been terrified. But it's interesting. When I was reading this verse, I just, I just want to read a couple of words again. I find myself fortunate. I don't know about you, but if I was in Paul's situation, I probably would not feel fortunate. His life was on the line, yet he did not fear. Earlier in the passage in Acts 23, as I just read, Paul heard from the Lord and was told to have courage. That is why Paul was not afraid in this situation when he was defending his faith because he was holding on to the promise that God would be with him, that God would be speaking through him, and Jesus was his peace. Now, to put it into today's context, imagine standing in front of Andrew and Melissa and a whole bunch of other leaders and having an argument with them about a spiritual matter and trying to convince them that you were right about something in regards to faith. I don't know about you, but that would scare me. But Paul was not afraid because he was holding on to the Lord and his courage was found in the Lord. Just like Paul, when we're asked to give a defense to our faith, we can hold on to the promise that God will give us courage and God will give us peace. When we give our defense, we will find our courage in the Lord. The last point this morning is our testimony is our defense. In this passage, God, Paul gives his defense by sharing his story of how his life had been radically transformed after he got, gave his heart over to Jesus. Our testimony is our personal story and our personal experience of Jesus. People can argue and debate with us about scripture and creation and whether Jesus lived in the Bible. But people can't argue with us about our story because that is our truth. That is our personal experience. And that is why sharing our testimony is so effective. When we tell people, this is what I experienced. This is my story. People are going to be engaged and people, people are going to see a physical demonstration of the gospel through our life. People can argue with us about the gospel story. But when it's betrayed in our life, and when it's spoken through the lens of our lives and people can see the radical transformation that has taken place, that, that is how effective sharing our testimony is. When we share our story of transformation, people are impacted. When others learn about the changes in our lives as a result of Christ, we provide a personal experience of the gospel that people can relate to and connect to. 
Now, if you're sitting at home this morning and you're saying, Jess, but I don't know how to share my testimony. Well, you're in luck because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Through Paul's defense, we're going to learn three simple steps to sharing our testimony with others. Step one is before Christ. Paul starts by sharing what his life was like before he met Jesus, the choices that he was making, the kind of person that he was. Acts 26 verse 9, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, there are many verses that follow this as Gary read out. And Paul goes on to talk about how he was living his life. He was a Pharisee and he was persecuting Christians. He spoke about all these things, how his life was before Jesus. Now, this isn't in my notes, but I thought it was important to mention that he didn't shy away from the bad stuff. He didn't make it look all happy, chappy. I was this good person. He didn't hide who he truly was. He was vulnerable. He said, this was the sin in my life. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm sharing my story with other people, you know, I I tend to gloss over the bad stuff, you know, make it sound better than it actually was. I think it's important to mention that we don't need to be ashamed of who we were before we met Jesus because we have been redeemed and that sin is no longer ours. We have been washed clean from all unrighteousness. I don't know if you need to hear that this morning, but I definitely needed to hear that um, this week. Um, talk about being vulnerable. Um, this week, I was really struggling when I was preparing for this sermon. I thought, I'm not good enough to share this message because this week, I committed a sin that um, you know I've been struggling with for a while and I've been praying it about. And I thought... Uh, I thought, oh, perfect timing, just as I'm about to, you know, share a message on testimony. And you know what God said to me? He said, Jess, if you waited until you were perfect to share the gospel, there would be no Christians. Because we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be sinless until we're in heaven with Jesus. And it was interesting, as God was telling me this, I looked over into my room and I saw this pot plant um, that my beautiful friend Sandy got me for my birthday last year. And on the pot plant, it said, Keep growing. And I felt like that's what we needed to hear this morning. Keep growing. Don't give up when we make the mistakes that we've been trying so hard not to make. It it doesn't matter if you're perfect. You don't have to be perfect to share Jesus with other people. And we can share, just like Paul did, about how our life was before Jesus, without shame, without guilt, because we have been washed clean from that. Went off on a bit of a tangent there, sorry. The first step to sharing our testimony is sharing what, I was, what our life was like before Jesus. We can be honest, we can be vulnerable, we can share the bad stuff. Step two is how you met Christ. He then, Paul then follows on by describing the event in which he encountered Jesus. Acts 26, 13 to 15 says, About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blacking around me and my companions. We fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in a, is it Aramaic? Aramaic, thank you. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. The second step to sharing our testimony is sharing the story of how we met Jesus. 
what happened when you gave your life to Jesus for the first time? What did it feel like to fully surrender yourself to Jesus? Step three is now. Paul then describes what his life looks like now as a result of finding salvation through Jesus. His life had been completely transformed. Talk about a transformation. He went from killing Christians to literally converting Christians all over Rome. He began preaching the faith that he once tried so hard to destroy. I don't know what you're thinking this morning, but I'm thinking, wow, what a transformation. Acts 26, 19 to 20 says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all of Judah, and to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. Paul went from persecuting to spreading the good news. When we share our testimony, it's important to remember to talk about how our life is now. How has our life been transformed as a result of giving our hearts to the Lord? I don't know about you, but I have felt a radical transformation as a result of giving my heart over to God. Just like Paul, my life went from this to the complete opposite. I went from feeling hopelessness and purposeless. I went from feeling unloved and unwanted. I went from battling severe mental health issues to having a peace that is unexplainable other than the word Jesus. My life has been radically transformed just like Paul's. When we share our testimony and people hear about the transformation in our lives, they're encouraged. Our testimony is a physical demonstration of the good news at work in our lives. To end his defense, Paul states a concluding question directed at the king in verse 27. He says, do you believe in the prophets? It's important when we share our story with others to give them an opportunity to respond. Now, every time you share your testimony, I'm sure you're not going to say that same line because it probably isn't going to be relevant to the person that you're talking to. But just like Paul, it's important to give people an opportunity to respond. Now, sometimes the way that we share our testimony and the concluding question that we ask may be different per person, um, per context, um, per the age that you're talking to. It's important to adapt our testimony to the people that we're talking to. It's important to allow an opportunity If people want to, we're not talking about Bible bashing here. I don't want to see anyone Bible bashing. But it's important to give people an opportunity, if they want to, to respond. Just like Paul, we can use this step-by-step model when sharing our testimony with others. This series is all about contagious Christianity, and I can't think of a better example to follow. This was a man who who experienced an undeniable transformation. And he used his story, his personal experience of change to tell others why they should give their lives to Jesus too. And that's what we can do when we share our story with others. Three points this morning. I lost my page, I've got to find it. Wait. Wrong one. 
we will be asked to give a defense for our faith. When we give our defense, we will find courage in the Lord. And our testimony is our defense. Now I'm going to invite the band to come up. This morning for the appeal, we're going to worship and the song Oceans is going to play. When preparing this message, I did not know that we would be doing it on a Saturday. I did not know that we would be in lockdown. And I felt God say, we need to do Oceans for the appeal. And I can remember saying, but that has nothing to do with this message. And I felt the Lord say, trust me. And I think that that's a perfect song to worship to this morning. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. I don't know what you need to do this morning. I don't know what you need to hear. I definitely need to praise and worship to God to this song. I will be singing this song this morning, probably with tears, because in this season that we're in, it can be fearful, it can be scary. But this morning, I want to encourage you as we sing this song to surrender to Jesus and say, even though this situation is scary, I'm going to trust you, Lord, because you are good. During this song, if you feel led, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, if you're at home, oh, well, you are all at home, (laughs) to grab a piece of paper if you feel led. This is only if you feel led. You do what you need to do. You do what you feel led to do. But if you feel led, I encourage you to grab a piece of paper and just like Paul's defense that we read today, I want to encourage you to write down your own story, develop your own story. What was your life like before you met Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? And what is your life like now? I want to encourage you to write that down and start thinking about what you're going to say when you're asked, why do you believe what you believe? I also want to quickly give an opportunity. If you have never given your life to Jesus before, if you're sitting there thinking, Jess, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. To put it simply, what it means to give your life over to Jesus is say, Lord, I to say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to surrender my life to you. I don't want to live the way that I've been living anymore. I want to live the way that you want me to live. If that's you this morning and you've never made that decision, or you want to give your life back to Jesus for the second time, for the fifth time, for the 100th time, I say this prayer every day because that's what I need to do. I need to recommit myself to the Lord every day. If you feel led to pray that prayer with me this morning, I encourage you to do so. I'll be praying for you this week. My prayer is that the Lord will give you peace during this season. Adam's going to put the prayer up on the screen. If you feel led, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I can't see it. Is it going? Yeah. You may like to pray to God. Dear Jesus, I need you and believe in you. And I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and for giving me life and eternity. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen.